this week you live in a money pit Money pit If your basement needs a pump Or your place looks like a dump You live in a money pit Money pit Pick up the telephone Fix up your home sweet home I call an 888 money pit The money pit is presented by Caseta by Lutron Quicken Loans and Arrow Fastener Now here are Tom and Leslie Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And what are you working on this holiday weekend? If it's your house, you're in the right place because we're here to help. We're kind of your coach when it comes to home improvement. If you've got a project that you'd like to do yourself or one you'd like to hire a pro to get done for you, give us a call right now. We'll talk about that project, maybe suggest some shortcuts, suggest some products, suggest some easier ways to get it done on time and on budget. The number is one eight 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 money pit Got a great show planned for you coming up in just a bit. It's the most wonderful time. Time of the year for burglars. That's right. The FBI says that nearly 400,000 burglaries occur in the U.S. for these next two months. So we're going to share some tips on ways you can stay safe and secure. Plus, have you ever bought a home and then found out it had problems that maybe weren't disclosed to you by the folks that sold it to you? We get calls all the time asking for help with situations like that. But the best way to make sure you avoid problem homes altogether is to hire a good home inspector. We're going to have tips on how to do just that in a bit. Plus, we've got tips on smart lighting controls that can give you the ability to set your lights to come on at dusk so you'll always come back to a well-lit home. But first, give us a call with your home improvement question. The number is one money pit Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Kathy in Indiana is on the line and is dealing with a bald spot on her roof when it's snowy out. What's going on, Kathy? <laughs> Hi. Yes, we we just moved down here from Wisconsin down to Indiana. We bought this house and um, we've been doing a lot of work on it. And when we got our first snow, I noticed on the back part, there is a like a foot-and-a-half-inch diameter bald spot every time we got a snowfall. And we had a friend contractor come down. He went up in the attic, and he's like, there's nothing going on here. So the only thing we thought, well, maybe is going on is we have a heat pump, and we also have our dryer vent in that same area back there. And so now I had two different suggestions. He said to put a soffit venting on that whole area to get more air going up through there and possibly... Maybe it's coming from the heat pump, but um, and then I went to um, a Home Depot, and I was talking to the guy there that seemed to know quite a bit, and he said that what he would do is take it and, and remove all the vented area, vented soffit in that area, and so if there is heat coming up, he said, but this shouldn't happen, and so this is, you know, this is what people do. They put their heat pumps outside, and, and he's never heard of anything like this before. So we ended up doing that, so we don't know yet if, if that actually helped it or not but yeah it's not not hurting the roof not having snow on that one spot if you want to know why it's happening it's because that spot is warmer than the other spots around it now why is it warmer well you mentioned there's a dryer exhaust duct there near there if the dryer exhaust duct is not completely sealed if it's dumping warm air in there that's going to heat up that spot over the roof and then any snow that hits there is going to melt and roll down if the insulation has some gap in it of some sort in there where more room air can get up and heat that area right above it, that could cause it as well. But I would not tell you to start messing with your venting and everything else just because you've got a foot and a half spot that doesn't, or snow doesn't stick. You know, it's curious, but it's not a major problem, and I, I wouldn't recommend major work for it. Okay, so it, 
we don't have to be concerned that there's heat getting up there and it's going to cause mold and issues going on. Well, I mean, I would, I would try, I would determine if there's an obvious source of warmth that's getting into that spot, but you know, actually adding heat to that area is not necessarily going to cause mold. You get more mold in the, in the less heated spaces, frankly, because when you warm moist, when you warm air, it uh, it uh, you know uses more moisture essentially. That's why the warm air holds more moisture. So that that's not really a concern. It's just kind of a curious thing. And you know, if you've got a dryer vent that's right near there, I'd start with that because that would make perfect sense. If the dryer vent is is losing some of its air right in that space. Um, that's not a good idea either because you don't want to be dumping any lint into the attic. That could be dangerous, okay? Okay, well, very good. Thank you. All right, Kathy. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Rob in Washington is on the line and is dealing with some flooding. Tell us what's going on. Well, uh, I own a one-acre lot, and I'm surrounded by like 58 acres of greenbelt, and my house sits up in the front of the lot, and I have a uh, cement driveway that runs down into a sh- uh, 1,200 square foot shop. And every time it rains here in Seattle, which is every other day, <laughs> yeah, frequently. and, and, and it, at daylight savings we get an extra hour of rain. But I, I, I get my my shop floods, and I, I need to know what kind of drain system I can put in in front of my shop. The the uh, cement is is maybe fourteen sixteen feet wide. So basically, Rob, what's happening is the water is running down the cement driveway and into the shop. Is that the main source of the water? What you need to do is to put a culvert across the driveway. So the way that works is you essentially cut the driveway in half. You slice out a gap in the driveway, and it might be. 8 or 12 inches wide. How close to the shop, though? I, I would go probably a few feet in front of it. I, I wouldn't go too far away. Okay. Because that just gives you more water, more sidewalk to co- to collect sort of in front of it. So I would go fairly close to it. And then you basically cut the driveway in half, and you drop this culvert in, which is sort of like a U-shaped channel. And then on the opposite end of it, it's attached to a drain line, which would go to a curtain drain. So the water would go down the dr- down the garage, it would fall into this culvert, and you can buy these or order these at building material supply centers that that's, that service you know masons and people that do more commercial type work. You'd be able to find these pre-made. And the drain tile, the drain pipe would connect to the culvert, so the water would go out to this drain line, and then you go into a curtain drain. So the curtain drain you'd make yourself, and again, on the downside of the property, you'd carve out an area about 12 to 18 inches wide and deep, fill it with stone, lay the drain pipe in there, cover it with more stone, put some filter cloth, and then some topsoil, whatever you're going to cover it with. So essentially, the drainage for this is is invisible once it's done, but you're intercepting that runoff down the driveway, uh, and and running it around the building and into the drain tile. And that pipe that you install there must be perforated. And, and I would recommend using solid PVC perforated pipe, not the flexible black like landscaping perforated pipe. Okay. Thank you, guys. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call at 888 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor. Get instantly matched with top-rated pros for any home project and book appointments online all for free. Up next, this is the busiest time of year for you and for burglars. We're going to share some tips to keep your house safe and secure after this. You live in a money pit. 
Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on this holiday weekend? If it's your house, you're in the right place because we're here to help you with those projects. Give us a call right now. We've got some tips, some ideas, some advice to get those projects done quickly, on time, and on budget. And before all the relatives show up, the number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT. And that's presented by Home Advisor, where it's easy to find top-rated local home improvement pros for any home project. Just go to homeadvisor.com. Carolyn, Ohio's on the line with a ventilation question. What can we do for you? I've had a, a yeah, plumber in just uh, about a month ago, and uh, the pipe that goes, the ventilation pipe that goes from your sewer line all the way to the to the roof, and he says that it's leaking. Now, the, the house is about 52 years old, something of that nature, and now it's not leaking like now, but he said, I, I, I don't understand how he... Re- how he got the idea that it was leaking. When you say leaking, does he mean leaking water as in a plumbing leak or leaking as in a roof leak? I'm not sure about that because but the roof is the roof is uh, probably about 10 years old that uh, that's been on there. Have you seen any stains underneath the um Underneath the ceiling, right where that pipe goes over the bathroom, do you see stains of the bathroom ceiling? No, there's none in. The, there's none in. There's none inside the house. Uh, but but he was looking at the pipe from the basement. The the, the leak that he repaired there was from a, another uh, pipe that, um, and he repaired that. And he said that he thought maybe that that had been leaking. But uh, there's no uh, there's no sign of water from. From the ceiling or any on the floor, you know, above the pipe there or anything. Well, look, if you've got no evidence of a leak, he's got to be more specific. I can tell you that those vent pipes typically do leak at the roof because there's a rubber gasket that is part of the flashing system. And and over time, you know, especially over 10 years, it's going to crack and break and, and separate from the pipe. And sometimes you get water that sort of leaks in there. They almost never leak from from a plumbing problem, like a break in the joint, because from the bathroom... Uh, they go straight up to the roof. So there's really not a good place for them to leak, maybe an elbow. But, I mean, you would see that. You know, you would see some staining or, or something. There would be some evidence of it. So I would ask the plumber to, you know, be a little more specific about what exactly is leaking before you turn over your checkbook. You know what I mean? Yes. 
In other words, maybe I should have someone to check the, the roof to see if the, if the, the uh, seal around that is broken or something. Well, but yeah, but if you're not seeing, you would see leaks, stains in the ceiling of the of the uh, bathroom. I mean, I've seen this, uh, you know, more than a hundred times, and I can tell you, if that seal is split, the water is going to go right down that pipe, hug that pipe, and probably drip off into the ceiling. So, I mean, sure, it's a good idea to always inspect your roof, but. I'm just not. You're not telling me anything that that makes me think. Oh, absolutely, you've got a you've got a leak there. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a really a good news to me because I was concerned because he said that if that pipe had to be replaced, it would have to be replaced from the from the basement all the way to the top of the house. Do you trust this plumber? You know, he was. It's the plumber. It's the company is an old uh, company here in Canton, and they they seem to be very good. And and I know other people that have had them. But I don't know. I don't know what his problem was that day that he called that. Yeah, it's not sounding right to me. I mean, it's very rare to to have to have any reason to replace a vent pipe because a vent pipe carries air. It doesn't right, carry water. Right. It carries water, you know, down from the toilet down, but it carries air basically from the toilet up. Okay, and then, well, that's what I told him. I said, I said, there's no water that comes down through that. I said, and but he says, well, there's could be from rain or something of that nature. But I thought, well, that uh, that's not, now it's even sounding even more like the guy's looking for a job. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, good luck. Thank Carol. you. Thanks so much for calling us at eight at eight Money Pit. You know, look, Leslie, if the guy's got a if, the guy's, if she's got a problem, then it's got to be fixed. But I've never heard of a pipe like that leaking in that in that way, and certainly. Uh, not when uh, when rain comes into the pipe. I mean, certainly rain could get around the pipe, but not into it. Well, according to the FBI, nearly 400,000 burglaries occur in the United States from November through the end of December every single year, which is why now is the perfect time to step up your home security. You know, with all the usual burglary prevention tips that we give you, you know, they apply here. We want to make sure that you've got good outside lighting, secure locks, no piles of mail at the door to tell everybody you're away. There's one more tip that we'd like to suggest that applies only to this time of year. Yeah, and that's this. No bragging. Don't advertise all of those expensive gifts to the burglars by leaving empty gift boxes from your new computers and flat screen TVs and and uh, DVD players and all those things on the curb. You know, it's interesting in my neighborhood, you can always tell after the holidays who got the good stuff because all those big boxes are piled up on the curb. And, and man, that's just a signal to any of the crooks that want to get in your house that there's some good loot in there, right? So instead, you want to break down those boxes Place them in large garbage bags, conceal the items that uh, Santa maybe has delivered, and better yet, just take those boxes to a recycling center after those gifts have been opened. You will not tempt fate by leaving them out there on the curb saying, rob me, rob me, rob me. (laughs) Now we've got Eddie in Delaware on the line who's dealing with a moisture situation going on. Tell us about it. I'm having a moisture problem with uh, two out of the three bathrooms. It's a three-bathroom home. Um, and, um, each, each bathroom has a, um, inline exhaust fan. Um, and this, this occurred last season, uh, last winter season. Um, and we've got a really severe winter. Um, and, and we're getting a lot of condensation. I have, um, dampers in two of the bathrooms at the ceiling. Um, and last season, last winter season, I installed, uh, additional damper uh, after the exhaust fan, after the inline fan in the ceiling, and I was still getting a lot of moisture. Uh, actually, at the ceiling where the sheetrock, 
was actually falling apart. That's how much moisture we got. Okay, for, first of all, um, right above this space, is there an attic? What's what's above it? Yes, it's an attic, yes. All right, and how much insulation do you have in that attic? Uh, the, the home is only um, eight years old. So first of all, bathrooms are sources of warm, moist air. Um, if the temperature of the drywall is chilly, it's going to condense and cause condensation. So you want to make sure that the attic above it, that you've got at least 15 to 20 inches of insulation in there. That's really important. Oh, there is. Uh, it, there definitely is. And what I also did was, when I when I started having this problem, I replaced the flexible ductwork, which was originally R6, to the maximum of R8. And I'm still getting the problem. And these two bathrooms that I'm having the problem, um, they're not used for um, showers or bathing of any sort. The second thing I want to suggest to you is you mentioned that you have exhaust fans in two of the three. No, no. All three have their own individual inline exhaust fans, yes. Okay. So inline, in other words, it's ducted out somewhere. They're all connected together and ducted out at once no, no, at one they're point? No, no. They're not connected together. They're, con- uh, they're all different. They all vent on their own out, out, out the building? Yes. And you can confirm that the that the vents are working. So if you turn the fan on, if you go outside, you'll see the flapper. Yes. So hooking them up to a humidistat slash timer might not be a bad idea because this way when the humidity gets high in the room, it'll automatically come on. Leviton makes such a switch designed specifically for bath fans. And I think that might be the next step. I think we need to move air, more air through these rooms. The second thing is, what's underneath these bathrooms? Are these, are these on the second floor or first floor? Are they over a slab? It's a ranch home. And what's underneath? Uh, crawl space. Crawl space? Okay. Does the crawl space have a high humidity problem? No. I would recommend that you replace the existing fan switch with a humidistatically controlled fan switch. Yeah, okay. I'll try. Eddie, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling at 888 Pit. Cheryl in Texas, you've got the money pit. How can we help you? I have some countertops that are plywood. Um, I just purchased a house recently, and I'm planning to do a total remodel in about a year. But right now, the countertops are plywood. And so I wanted an idea to um, put on the countertop so that I don't have water damage to the plywood and plus something that looks nice, and I was wondering if you might have an idea. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different options, of course, at a variety of price points. And if you're looking for something that's just going to be temporary but still stylish and functional, you know, probably your quickest and most DIY and affordable option could be tile. Now, that's going to be something that you could easily do on your own, and there's a lot of different choices to keep you within a variety of price points. Um And that generally can look really, really great. The other options are laminate countertops, which you can get pre-cut at the local home center. And that just depends on how much of a run you need and how much actual cutting to fit to size that you have to get. Um, But those are probably going to be your two most affordable. I think with tile, it really gives you an opportunity to make it really stylish and your own and something that you can feel proud of doing yourself and last you through the long haul until you're ready to do a major remodel. Okay. And what do you usually adhere the tile with? I'm not really much of a DIY person, but I'm sure, I think I could do it, but I was just kind of curious with the water, what adheres that tile and keeps that countertop protected? So there's two options. There's a tile mastic, which is sort of like a glue that you trowel onto the plywood and you stick the tiles onto that. 
And then there's like a tile mat. It's like a two-sided adhesive mat that you glue that down to the wood surface in your case. Then you peel off a backing and you can stick the tiles right on top of that. So there's a couple of ways to do that. If you can find the mat, um, what's interesting about that is you can grout right away. If you use the mastic, you've got to let it dry overnight, and then you can grout. Okay. I like those ideas. Okay. Thank you so much. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, are you getting ready to buy a home next year, and you want to make sure that it's not a real-life money pit? Well, hiring a professional home inspector can definitely help. We'll tell you exactly how to find the best one in your area next. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, if you're thinking about buying a home and you want to be sure you're not diving into what might be a real live money pit, getting a home inspection done before you commit is critical. With us to talk about that is James Thomas. He's the Executive Director of the American Society of Home Inspectors. Welcome, James. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Leslie. It's a pleasure to be able to join you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Well, it's my pleasure, and as my audience knows, I was a home inspector for 20 years, and I was a member of ASHI during that period of time, and actually have continued uh, my ASHI membership as uh, what you guys call a retired member, although I, I don't quite feel retired. I'm not doing crawl spaces and roofs quite as often, but <laughs> but uh, I don't quite feel retired. But i, I got to say that the reason I joined ASHI is the reason I recommend ASHI, and that is uh, it is an organization that has for over 40 years, as we said, created the most rigorous set of standards for home inspection that that exist anywhere 
uh, in the nation. And it's the one thing you need to know if you want to find a good inspector, which is really important when you're buying a house, right? Absolutely. I think uh, one thing I want to say is that ASCII Home Inspectors, as you said, uh, Tom, and uh, appreciate the uh, candor on that, we've passed the most rigorous technical examinations in effect today, including inspectors who are required to perform more than 250 professional inspections before they're even allowed to call themselves certified. And that's terrific um, because there are other organizations out there that uh, will be membership organizations or, or quasi-certification organizations for home inspectors, but they don't have these kinds of requirements. And uh, that was why I joined early on in my inspection career because, uh, you know, if you want to be the best, you've got to associate yourselves with organizations like this, and, and actually is, is just that. So for those that are not familiar, maybe they're thinking about buying a home or they haven't bought a home in a long time, let's start with the basics, James about what a home inspection covers. I think uh, the public would love to have a service that will find everything that is, was, or ever will be wrong with the house. And uh, you guys come pretty close to that. Tom and Leslie, honestly, a home inspection is an objective visual examination of the physical structure and systems of a house from the roof to the foundation, uh, so from top to bottom, if you want to say it that way. So you guys do come pretty close to that. I mean, it's all laid out in your standards and practices right online. It really is floorboards to shingles. Absolutely. You'll, you'll have a home inspector, uh, you know, typically check out the roof to all the way down to the foundation of the house itself. So, yeah, they're really going from nuts to bolts, so to speak. Yeah, so heating, cooling, plumbing, electric, it's a good uh, once-over. You know, uh, many times in my career, uh, I would um, have folks that would uh, ask me, you know, they really need a home inspection. And I think, you know, as a buyer, uh, you get emotionally attached to the house. It's kind of hard to see uh, through that veil what could potentially go wrong. And even though you may have a, a well-meaning meaning dad or, or brother-in-law or uncle that's handy, um, home inspectors are real specialized. They are sort of the forensic examiners uh, of a property. They they can see one thing in the in the house and and know that everything's connected to that. Like uh, seeing just the tip of a of a termite tube and knowing that there's some pretty significant structural damage potentially underneath it. I absolutely agree. You know, you for myself as a you know first time home buyer when my wife and myself purchased about twelve years ago our. Our home inspector was our advocate. They were truly protecting us as consumers. You could see um, as he took us around and showed us what uh, potential issues there could be and, and told us about the you know pitfalls that may arise over time and, and taught me a lot about the house, just showed me where the furnace was. The water heater took me up into the attic and uh, didn't climb on the roof with him, but uh, definitely saw those pictures afterwards. It, it's a it's it's a service to, to the consumer. It helps uh, people uh, take away that uh, anxiety of making a purchase uh, that is probably going to be the biggest investment of your life. And, you know, one of the things that you, you did say was that for for us too um, at ASHI, we ensure that you know ethically speaking that we are really looking out for the needs of the consumer and helping people make a wide a, a wide open uh, decision on on what they decide to do. Yeah, you know that's exactly what it is. You've got these guys that come across as home inspectors and they show up and they do their sort of inspection and then they say things like, "Oh, you've got these things wrong with the property," but the good news is I'm the guy that can fix it. And that really seems like a huge conflict of interest. Absolutely, Tom Leslie. And, and those are the, the ethical standards that we hold our members to. And, and that's how we can honestly say they're a true advocate for the consumer. All right. So home inspections take typically a two and a half to three hours. Uh, I think there's a misconception as to whether or not there's a pass-fail criteria for inspections. Let's talk a little bit about that. 
Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's it's an examination of the house. It's it's not uh, something to say whether it passes or fails something. It's more to give the uh, person who requests the report an absolute idea of what they're stepping into, knowing what might need major repair or replacement, and just giving them an idea. You don't pass or fail a home inspection. Yeah, the municipal inspections, you could pass or fail those, but even then, uh, the standards vary so much, literally from town to town, and, and typically they're they're not looking. There's no such thing as as a house being up to code that was built, you know, any any more recent than a couple of years ago, because the codes were always changing. So they may look for smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, make sure the windows open, some things like that. Um, but they're not really going to dive deep into uh, into the house. And an appraisal, of course, could also be confused with it. But that's more about the financial condition of the home, not the structural and mechanical condition. So that's that's what an ASHI certified home inspector does. Now, um, I think we should talk about when this happens in the transaction because it, that really is important that it's done at the right time. Otherwise, if something's wrong, you, you may have difficulty uh, negotiating a fix or even getting out of the contract, right? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, Typically, the contact immediately after uh, the purchase agreement or contract has been signed, you want to make sure that there is a clause, what we call an inspection clause in the in the sales contract that's contingent on the findings of a professional home inspection. That will make sure that you're keeping yourself safe and that your investment uh, will be going into something that you want to and it meets the standards of what you as a consumer are expecting as you as you move into that house. Now, if you're looking for a home inspector, certainly there's lots of referral sources out there. i got to tell you a little side story. I was the guy that the real estate agents wouldn't refer to their clients unless they were a friend or relative. <laughs> because sometimes... They're great people, but let's face it, sometimes they didn't really want the most thorough inspector out there looking at a property for for fear that maybe it would not go through. But seriously, if you want to find a good home inspector, you guys have a tool on your website, and that's homeinspector.org. It's called the Find an Inspector tool. You can search there. Uh, You'll get a list of home inspectors in your area. I think it's by a zip code or by distance. And then I would encourage you to call around and and chat with them because, uh, you know, one size doesn't fit all, and you get a sense as to who you feel you can really work with. Absolutely. I would also encourage, if, if they can, to check out uh, the Home Inspector websites, if they have them, and see the reports. You know, typically they put up a sample report, and you can kind of read and see if it's a report that you would like to receive, and, and uh, you can then uh, use our tool, as you said, to find those in your area that, are, uh, that meet the ASHI standards. Great advice. He is James Thomas, the Executive Director of the American Society of Home Inspectors, homeinspector.org. That's all you need to know if you're buying or even selling a house and you want to find out what its true condition is, head on over there, use the Find an Inspector tool, and you will find an ASHI certified member. They don't get any better than that. James, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Great advice. Thank you so much, Tom and Leslie. It's my pleasure to join you today, and I hope that I was able to be some help to some of those people who are looking for home inspectors out there. And again, that website is homeinspector.org. All right, just ahead, we've got some tips on smart lighting control that gives you the ability to set your lights to come on at dusk so your family is always coming back to a well-lit home. So stick around. Good homes, better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now with your home improvement question at 1 888 Money Pit, presented by Home Advisor. Hey, do you need some new flooring in your kitchen or bathroom? You get in the bathroom all set for the holiday season before 
the relatives start to show up? You need some help to get that project done? Well, HomeAdvisor can instantly match you with the right pro for the job for free. Check them out right now online at HomeAdvisor.com. Lori, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We have a Chamberlain one-quarter horsepower garage door opener, and it has no remotes. We bought okay. the house as is, so we have no remotes for it. Also, it has a keypad on the outside, which I'm unable to use. So my question was, if I go to Home Depot or Lowe's, would a universal remote work, or do I have to call a garage door company out to sell us a Chamberlain remote and program it? Why don't you do this? Why don't you get the model number of the Chamberlain garage door opener, which is probably printed on the back of the unit, go to the uh-huh. Chamberlain website and get the owner's manual for the door opener. With that owner's manual, you should be able to program the keypad. It'll tell you the right sequence to do that. And also, you most likely can find out from Chamberlain exactly which remote is designed to work with that unit. Now, Chamberlain's a very good company, and in fact, they have a new technology that's called MyQ. And the cool thing about the MyQ technology is you can actually uh, put this MyQ unit in your garage and then you'll be able to open and close your garage door with your smartphone. So they're way ahead of the game on this stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, too. Is this one too old to do that? Um, I think it actually works on every garage door opener that was built after 1996, so it may not be. It might be fine. I can't remember if it's 96 or 94. Yeah, it, it goes back over 10 years. Good. Okay, this, is, this one's about six years old. I think that's how I would proceed. I would not just go buy something and hope it works. I would do the research, and you'll figure it out. Okay, Lori? Okay. Okay, I'll go on their webpage. Thank you for the advice. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Hey, so there's a new smart lighting control that's just out on the market that is pretty cool because it gives you the ability to set your lights to come on at dusk so your family always comes home to a well-lit place. It's from Lutron, and it's called the Caseta Wireless Smart Lighting Dimmer Switch Starter Kit. And it actually gives you a lot more function than a standard dimmer. Yeah, and it's actually really easy to use, super simple to set up, and gives you a smart system that can expand at your own pace. Now, the kit's designed for hardwired lights, and it gives you smart lighting control in one room. Everything you need is right there in that box. Now, it's going to include a smart bridge and a free app, and there's an in-wall light dimmer, plus you get the wall plate and even a remote control. Now, the kit starts at around 100 bucks, and you'll find it at Amazon, Home Depot, Lowe's, Best Buy, or through your local electrician. You can learn more at casetawireless.com, C-A-S-E-T-A wireless.com. Always love taking calls from my neck of the woods. We've got Scott in New York who's working on the driveway. Tell us what's going on. In my house, in my driveway, uh, I have a blacktop driveway. I noticed uh, sitting water spots after a rainstorm. Uh, I was wondering what my options were. So are these actual potholes or just sort of low spots? Just low spots. I got to tell you, it's difficult to address a situation where you just have low spots like that because it's a failure of the base of the driveway. If when the driveway was put in, the base of the driveway underneath, you know, probably wasn't prepped correctly, and so over time it's settled and sagged, and that's why you're developing those water spots now. It's difficult to patch over that unless it's a fairly contained area. So, for example, if you had a, a section of broken up driveway that maybe was a foot or so square, you know, there are different densities of patching compounds. They come everywhere from like a gravel mix that is an, a, a latex product that uh, you could put in and will dry solid, you know, to something that's fairly liquid for cracks. 
but to really raise the level of low spots in there, you're really talking about a situation where you'd have to replace the driveway or put a second la- uh, layer on it. And I, and I got to tell you, I probably would not even put the second layer on it because I would not be confident as to how the original driveway was constructed. And I'm, if I wanted to avoid that in the future, I would probably tear it up and start again. So I guess your question is, how much does this really bother you? Does it work, bother you enough where you want to tear it up? Or you just want to live with it for a few more years before you get to that. If it's not cracked, you know, perhaps just sealing it is going to protect it as long as possible. Keeping that water from saturating into that area and soaking into that area will help stabilize it for the for uh, at least for the immediate future. Okay, thanks for your help. All right, Scott. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Hey, if you'd like to enjoy the warm glow of a fireplace this winter, you better make sure the screens are clean to start. We'll share some simple cleaning hacks next. is presented by ADT, the number one smart home security provider. You work hard to renovate and decorate your home. Now make sure you protect it. ADT can design and install a more secure smart home just for you with lights, locks, indoor and outdoor cameras and even video doorbells. All backed by 24-7 protection. Smart home security service brought to you by ADT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone and give us a call right now on the Money Pit's listener line at 888-MONEY-PIT presented by Home Advisor. That's right. You can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area, read verified reviews, and book appointments online all for free. No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. All right, pick up the phone and give us a call or post your question online in the community section of the Money Pit, just like Marianne did. Now, Marianne writes, we have a rental with a very tall exterior natural rock fireplace. Last winter, the chimney leaked and brought a lot of water inside to the house. It's been checked by several people, but none with good solutions. Is there a product we can coat it with to stop the rainwater from getting in? Well, first of all, Marianne, since you are a tenant and not an owner, I, my, I would tell you that this is clearly the owner's responsibility. But if you were an owner, I would tell you to do the following. The first thing that I would do is I would check the flashing, and that's where the chimney intersects with the roof. And I can tell you that 9 out of 10 times it's done incorrectly and water can get behind it, and that may be one source for water leaking down into your place. The second thing I would do is I would apply a chimney cap if you don't have one, a chimney cap which blocks the more direct rainfall getting through the center flue, it sort of sits up above the chimney, but it's kind of like a roof for the chimney. Uh, that's a pretty good idea to add. And thirdly, sometimes you get a leakage that goes right through the block itself. So to deal with that, you want to apply a masonry sealer. Now, there are many different brands of this out there. Uh, typically, they have a silicone element to them, but you want to make sure you choose one that's vapor permeable. What that means is that the moisture can move in and out of the block uh, and not stay behind and freeze and crack and break it up through frost even in the winter. So do things in that order, fix the flashing, get a chimney cap, and then seal the surface with a masonry sealer, and that should dry it out. All right, next up, we've got a post here from Donna. Now, Donna writes, I followed your tip about using plastic strips to get rid of woodpeckers, and it worked. My question is now, how do I fill the holes that the woodpeckers left behind in the siding? First, if you didn't hear the tip about the plastic strips, basically she had woodpeckers that were attacking her siding, and what I told her to do was take hefty bags, cut them into two-inch strips, and tack a few of those up like big 
black plastic ribbons and it kind of freaks out the woodpeckers and they go somewhere else. Now, in terms of the repair, you want to use a two-part epoxy wood mix. You mix them together, push it into the holes, let it dry, sand it, prime it, paint it, and you're good to go. Bye-bye, woodpeckers, and bye-bye the holes they left behind. (laughs) It's always good when the woodpeckers go away, (laughs) at least from your house. We must evict them from the premises. Well, if you'd like to enjoy the warm glow of a fireplace this winter, you need to make sure the screens are clean to start with. Leslie has some tips on how to do just that in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? You know, I really do love a good fire in the fireplace, but if you really want to enjoy it, you should plan to clean the fireplace screen once or twice a season. Now, to get the job done right, you should use a cleaning solution of one-eighth cup liquid dishwashing detergent per quart of water, and that's really going to do wonders for all of that caked-on dirt. Then you need to just gently scrub the screen with a soft bristle brush and follow up by wiping with a lint-free cloth to avoid rusting. If you've got any brass details on the screen, you want to polish those with some brass cleaner and make sure you use a lint-free cloth because that really does a beautiful job of polishing. I'm telling you, if you spend some time and clean the fireplace screen and really polish up all the bits and pieces on it, you're going to see that that screen is going to glow just like your fire and you've got instant ambiance for the holiday season. Now, that's the kind of fire you want to enjoy, but unfortunately, this This is also the time of the year when risk of home fires is at its highest. So coming up on the next program, we're going to have some solutions to help you stay safe, not only in the next couple of heating months, but all year long. That's coming up on the very next edition of The Money Pit. But for now, that's all the time we have. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Pain.